I had a good job back home. I have a hard-working husband and three amazing kids. But after an accident that left my husband disabled, I became the sole breadwinner of our family. The pressure was on me. I made the hard decision to leave home and I came to Hong Kong to work as a domestic worker in hope for a better future for my family. I am a single mother and have a strong passion to care for my children. When I was in my home country, I was abused and threatened by my family and close relatives. I tried to run away, but they have linkage with the police and would be able to trace me down. I was rejected from the community and had no place to stay. I decided to come to Hong Kong to find a stable and peaceful life. Later, I became pregnant. I am not able to return to my home country because if I return, I will face the same abuse from relatives who are still threatening me now. I arrived in Hong Kong in 2018 after securing employment with the local family. In my first few days, my employer was friendly and kind. Unfortunately, her facade quickly faded and I realized she was abusive and I was being exploited for work. After a year and a half, I couldn't take it anymore and finally escaped. Being alone in the streets, I was scared. I didn't know where I was going to stay, get food or the medical help I needed, let alone find ways to support my family who was depending on me. I became a non-refoulement claimant in Hong Kong. When I became pregnant, I faced rejection. My relatives in my home country found out and sent threatening messages to me. My friends abandoned and insulted me. I want to fight for my daughter's status, but since I am unable to work, I felt helpless and I did not know if anybody would help me and my baby. Those are um, not easy stories to listen to, are they? And I'd like to tell you that those two stories are unique to those two individuals, but that wouldn't be the case. There are many in our city that have similar stories of abuse, abandonment, rejection, and difficulty in Hong Kong society. You know, it's important for us to make space in our lives to listen to the voices of those who are on the margins. It's all too easy for us to insulate and isolate ourselves from those voices. But when we do hear those voices, Yes, it's hard to hear the stories. Yes, it might stir emotions in us. But ultimately, it is a way of honoring them as people who are made in the image of God. And what we want to do today is we want to create space for you to be able to hear the stories of those who are vulnerable in Hong Kong. That's why the theme that we have for Branches of Hope Sunday this year is our voices, our stories. And while you're going to hear a little bit from me now, and then you're going to hear a little bit from some of the staff of Branches of Hope, ultimately what we hope and pray you'll hear today is the voices of people like Namala and Maggie sharing their story so that you might be changed. And what we pray you hear when you listen to their stories is, yes, we hear their challenges, hear their suffering, hear what it is that they're going through, but ultimately you would hear something else, that you would actually hear their unwavering hope that they have in Jesus Christ. This idea of listening to the stories of the vulnerable and the broken amongst us is important to the work of branches of hope and to the vine because it is essentially first and foremost the work of God. God listens to those who are broken and on the margins. And there are many examples in scripture of God reaching out and listening to the voices of those who are desperate. But today, I wanted to take us to one particular passage in Scripture to help frame everything that we want to talk about today. It's the passage found in Genesis 19 to 21, and it's the story of two individuals, Ishmael and Hagar. And let, let me give you just a little bit of context before I open the passage. Hagar is an Egyptian slave who is working in the home of Abraham and Sarah. Now, Sarah, at this point in the story, is incredibly frustrated and bitter at God. And she's frustrated at God because she believes that God is to blame for the fact that her and Abraham are barren. Some years before, God had come to Abraham and said to Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. But many years later, Abraham and Sarah are still not able to have their own children. And Sarah blames God for this reality. She knows that God has given a promise, but she hasn't seen God come through on that promise. So Sarah does what perhaps many of us might do in that circumstance. Believe the promise 
but then bring it and put it into our own hands. She decides her own human effort can bring about the promises of God. And trust me, that's always a dangerous thing to think. But what Sarah does is she comes up with a plan. She says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, why don't you take Hagar to be your wife? In those days, it was legal to marry more than one woman. She says, take Hagar to be your wife. You can then sleep together, produce a child, and then that child will be our heir and the promise of God. (laughs) Well, the story tells us that that's what happened. And Hagar had no choice in this matter. Not only is she a slave being forced to work in their home, she's now forced into the slavery of marriage with someone she doesn't love. Abraham and Hagar sleep together and produce a child. And when that child comes forth into the world, God speaks to Hagar over her son. And he says to Hagar, I want you to name your son a specific name. You are to give him the name Ishmael. Ishmael in Hebrew means God hears. I want you just to stop with that for a second and remember that. Ishmael means God hears. And that will become the main story of the whole of Ishmael's life. Well, not surprisingly, Sarah finds herself jealous and bitter at Hagar and Abraham for the fact that they have this child in their life called Ishmael. And her plan that she thought was a good one turned out to be incredibly painful and bitter for her. So she comes with a new plan to Abraham. And she says to Abraham, I want you to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. I want you to send them out, banish them from the Israel nation, send them out into the deserts of Bathsheba. Well, well, this greatly distressed Abraham because the scriptures tell us that Abraham loved his son Ishmael, genuinely loved him. And it, it, it tore him apart that he would have to send Ishmael away. But God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, just relax because my hand is upon Ishmael's life and I will protect him. I will look after him and he will actually become the father of many nations. A great nation will come from him. So Abraham, off the back of his obedience to God, even though he didn't want to do it, puts supplies together and begins to send Hagar and Ishmael on their way. Let's pick up the story from that very point. This is uh, Genesis 21, starting in verse 14. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, for she thought to herself, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. What an incredibly disastrous situation this is for Hagar. I mean, that's putting it mildly. Not only has she been enslaved, not only has she been forced into marriage, but now she's been sent out and banished from a community. She sent out with minimal supplies and not surprisingly, those supplies ran out. And she realizes that she cannot because she loves her child so much. She cannot bear the suffering of watching him die, of hearing him cry out. And so she places her son under a bush and she goes about, the scriptures say, a bow shot away. A bow shot away is about 100 to 150 yards away. She's not so far away that she feels like she's abandoned her son, but she's far enough away that she cannot hear his cries. That's really important. She's far enough away so that she can't hear the sobbing of her child so that doesn't bring distress upon her. And then as she's sitting this bow shot away, the scriptures say she does something. In the English translation, the English translation is not very good. The English translation says she sobs. Sobbing for us sounds like... (laughs) In the Hebrew... The word means to wail. It means to cry out. It means to scream. It's the same word that's translated gnashing of teeth in other parts of Scripture. It's the word that's used to describe old Israelites as they mourned in the Old Testament, as they screamed and made made noises before the Lord. The idea of this Hebrew word was actually to scream out against injustice. So the picture here is of Hagar, a bow shot away from the cries of her son, so she can't hear those cries, and she's making an awful noise before the Lord. She's screaming out. She's probably saying stuff like, why is this happening to me? Why has my whole life been like this? Why have you taken my only son from me? Why are we going to die in this desert? And she's screaming and wailing and crying and making the loudest noise she could ever make. And the question is, does God hear and respond? 
Have a look at verse 17. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. Don't be anxious. Let's unravel the ball of string. For God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will now make him into a great nation. I love what it says here. Notice what it says here. It says, God heard the boy crying. Do you catch it? Hagar is making an awful noise before the Lord. She's screaming and shouting and billowing in the middle of the desert. She's drowning out the cries of her son with the loudest cries she could ever have before God. And God shows up and he goes, I've heard the boy crying. In other words, I hear the voice of the one who cannot fight for himself. The voice of the the one who's in the bushes. The voice who has no ability to fight for himself. And it's not that God didn't hear Hagar's cries because he responds to Hagar. It's not that he didn't care for her. He's not ignoring her. But he's trying to teach Hagar something, and I think the global church something for all of history, that God hears and responds to the voices that so often everybody else ignores. That's the God that we have. That's the God that we serve. In the amount of noise that Hagar was making, God shows up and goes, I haven't forgotten your son, Ishmael. In other words, God proves Ishmael's name. I hear him. I hear him. Even amongst all the other noise that is happening, I hear him. You need to know here in Hong Kong, there's a lot of noise happening all the time. There's a lot of sound that reverberates around our city. But the reason why we do the work that we do at Branches of Hope is because God hears. He hears the soft, subtle cry of the marginalized, the oppressed, the hurting, and the vulnerable. And when we and our ears are so blocked by the noise of materialism, the noise of politics, the noise of making money, the noise of career, the noise of really good things that can happen in our lives. God doesn't stop hearing the poor. He doesn't stop hearing it. And the reality is that I think each one of us, myself included, can always end up living a bow shot away from the cries of the Ishmaels of our city. And I think we do this because it's not comfortable to hear those cries. It wasn't comfortable for us to watch that video. It's not always comfortable for us to sit in the reality of the pain and the brokenness of others. Perhaps we stay a bow shot away in Hong Kong because we don't know how to respond. We don't know what it is that we can do to help. We think perhaps we're going to make more trouble than actually help. Or maybe we stay a bow shot away because let's face it, the world is a, a pretty tough place right now. There's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of bad news, Andrew. I don't want to come to church and hear any more bad news, Andrew. There's a lot of reasons, I think, why we isolate ourselves and insulate ourselves, why we, like Hagar, stay a bow shot away from the cries of the vulnerable and hurting. And that's why today we want to close that distance a little bit for you. That's why today we want to make sure you hear some of the cries and the voices of those that we serve at Branches of Hope. And that's why we do what we do, because we believe that there are many Ishmaels still in this city, that because God hears we should also hear. And to help you close that distance a little bit and to help you understand a bit more about the stories of those that we serve through Branches of Hope, it's my my great privilege today to introduce to you Alex Forte, who is the Executive Director of Branches of Hope. Can we give Alex a round of applause? Thank you, Andrew. Good morning. Uh, Hello, everybody. It's... uh, It's a privilege to stand out here in front of you all. You'll notice that I come with my little tablet because I'm not as gifted as Andrew, so I've got to, I have something to hold on to and remind me what I actually want to tell you all. Um, So yeah, it's a huge blessing uh, and privilege to be standing here in front of you all. Um, My wife and I, we've been coming to the the Vine Church for a number of years now, uh, and I would never have foreseen a set of circumstances where I would get to stand in this very holy place in front of all of you and and speak to you on on a Sunday. Um, but the Lord works in mysterious ways, so, you know, here I am. <laughs> I, uh, I joined Branches of Hope, uh, as, as Andrew mentioned, as executive director not so long ago, just uh, back in, in April. But I've known Branches of Hope for a couple of years now. 
Uh, in fact, I, I was aware of Branches of Hope uh, even before it became Branches of Hope, when it was still Vine Community Services. Um, and so I, I was aware of that rebranding process, and, and I've, I've watched that organization grow from strength to strength over the years. So I'm incredibly honored and, and, and humbled uh, to be trusted with the stewardship of this amazing organization. And I feel no pressure at all. <laughs> In fact, this is actually a bit of a perfect moment, I think, um, in God's perfect timing uh, that I get to step into this role. Um, I feel that from a sort of professional, uh, from a professional view, from a personal view, from a spiritual view, all things have aligned to allow me to, to really step into this and, and, and do this work with, with full confidence. Professionally, I, I, I come after having spent the better part of the last decade working in humanitarian aid in, in countries like Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan. So I feel I have a bit of experience that I hope I can apply to, to Branches of Hope and, and continue this growth of the organization. On a spiritual level, I've been blessed to, uh, to grow in faith. Um, so I feel I, I'm equipped uh, to maintain that special spiritual bond that connects the vine and Branches of Hope. And on a personal note, I recently became dad to the most adorable four-month-old, so I have no, uh, no, no rush to be in any war zones anytime soon. <laughs> so now you know a little bit more about me and why I'm representing Branches of Hope today. Uh, so we can turn our attention a little bit to why we're even talking about Branches of Hope today. Um, Andrew already alluded to it a little bit. Uh, we are celebrating Branches of Hope Sunday today, which is part of our larger effort this month of Branches of Hope Awareness Month, BOHAM. Uh, we're very, very excited. There's a bunch of activities going on, and, and I encourage you to come talk to our, our colleagues outside at the booth to get the details on, on those. Fundamentally, though, apart from raising awareness for our organization and the work that we do, what we are trying to do this month is to really focus on the stories of our clients. And that's why the motto of BOHAM is our voices, our stories. Andrew introduced the, uh, the story of Hagar and Ishmael from chapter 21 of, of Genesis and, you know, demonstrated how God hears all, even, even the smallest muted voices in our society, and how that is a challenge to us to really come and, and, and become active, to, to do God's work, to do good. On reflecting on the, on the passage, I was also reminded a little bit of how Hagar in many ways, personifies the injustices faced by the clients that are served through Branches of Hope by both our STOP and, and ROAD programs. Like the clients who are served by STOP, Hagar is a slave, the most vile form of labor exploitation imaginable. And like the clients that are served by ROAD, she has been made a refugee. She's been kicked out of her community. She's been made to fled, not by her own choice, but by circumstance. I think the significance of what that means, of the, of the suffering that that entails, the challenges that comes with that, was, was also demonstrated in the video that we saw earlier. And so, at Branches of Hope, when we, when we see people like this on a daily basis, what we want to achieve for them, and, it, and it's captured in the slogan of our, of our organization, is dignity, justice, and hope. We try to achieve this for our clients, through three distinct service pillars, caring for them, empowering them, and driving social change for the better of not just the marginalized, but for society as a whole. And so we do our best every day. We do what we can to hear those voices and to empower them to tell their stories. Now, to help me tell the stories of Maggie Namala, who we briefly saw already at the beginning of, uh, uh, at the, in the video, I'd like to welcome Michelle Wong, our program manager from STOP, and Roy Njoaba, the head of the ROAD program. Please give them a round of applause. <laughs> welcome, Michelle, and welcome, Roy. Thank you, Alex. Hello, nice to be here. Hello, everyone. Hi. You guys doing good today? Yeah. I didn't hear that. You guys doing good? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so always a pleasure to be here. Hi, everyone. 
So Michelle and Roy obviously have been uh, working with Road uh, and, and, and Stop for, for much, much longer than, than I've uh, come on board. Um, in fact, Roy is the longest serving uh, staff member at Branches of Hope. Isn't that right, Roy? Yes, you're right. I've been in Branches of Hope for seven and a half years. Actually, tomorrow may be exactly seven and a half years. Wow, that's amazing. Let's, let's give him a round of applause. So, um, as we just said, we're, we're kicking off this uh, really exciting month, uh, BOHAM, Branches of Hope Awareness Month. Um, and the, the motto of this whole month is Our Voices, Our Stories. Uh, we already saw a little bit uh, about the kind of clients that we serve through STOP and, and through ROAD. Um, but before we return to the stories of Maggie and Namala, um, maybe just for everybody's benefit, we could um, cover what exactly STOP and ROAD do. So, Michelle, why don't you start with STOP? Sure. So STOP means Stop Trafficking of People. Um, so we launched as a branch of support program in 2014. Um, our mission is to end human trafficking in and through Hong Kong. Uh, so in order to do so, uh, we provide uh, protection for the survivors of human trafficking. We educate the vulnerable community to prevent human trafficking from happening, and we conduct research, collect evidence uh, to build capacity for the society uh, to respond to the issue. So you may wonder, what is human trafficking? Uh, is that still happening in Hong Kong? Uh, well, human trafficking is an uh, extreme form of human rights violation uh, for the purpose of exploitation. So obviously, if someone are, uh, is forced to work uh, under uh, violent circumstances, uh, it is human trafficking. Uh, but uh, human trafficking also involves uh, different means uh, uh, in order to do so. For example, deception and coercion. Uh, for example, using uh, that to coerce someone to work, that bondage is a form of human trafficking. Uh, deceiving the condition of work is also a common tactics. So yes, human trafficking does still exist in Hong Kong, and our team is fighting for that every day. Thank you for that, Michelle. I, I, I'm pretty sure that there might be a number of you who are actually quite shocked to hear that um, this form of labor exploitation and the various degrees actually happens every day right under our noses in our own society. But that is unfortunately uh, the, the reality of the situation. Roy, let's uh, jump over to Road. What is it that Road does exactly? Um, Road actually stands for Refugee Opportunity and Development. So if you hear the definition of Road, you know exactly what we are doing. <laughs> to give opportunity and to develop refugees. And by doing that, we equip them with knowledge, you know, we educate them, and we empower them for their future so that they can become um, contributors to our society. We serve refugees from all over the world, from Africa, Middle East, you know, South Asia, some from Europe, and also we uh, from um, uh, South uh, America. And also, um, uh, the, the road program actually, you know, born out of um, uh, divine uh, ministry. You know, we called the refugee ministry back in 2000, and I don't forget when, but many <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and so, uh, gradually, from road from this refugee ministry, grew up to be um, a branch of hope that we have today. Yeah. Okay, and so when we're talking about refugees, who exactly is a refugee? What, what, what would be the definition there? Uh, great. Um, refugees and asylum seekers, it's a common word that we use, uh, but in Hong Kong, you hear word like non-reformer claimant. And so I will break down these three definitions for you to understand these different categories of people who are seeking protection in Hong Kong. Um, refugees and asylum seekers are under the mandate of UNHCR because this falls under the 1951 Geneva Convention. Non-reformer claimants are under the CAT Convention, which is the 1984 um, Geneva Convention that protects people not to be returned to their home country. So reformer means return to their home country. Now, uh, Hong Kong government is a signatory of the CAT Convention and not a signatory of the Geneva 1951 Convention. So in Hong Kong, we basically have non-reformer claimants and not asylum seekers and refugees. So actually in Hong Kong, we have about 250 refugees under the UNHCR convention, and we have over 13,000 non-reformer claimants under 
the uh, government of, uh, of Hong Kong. So um, we notice that many people often say refugees and asylum seekers um, by, by mixing them up with non-reformant claimant, but actually we mostly have non-reformant claimant in Hong Kong. Now, for non-reformant claimant, it doesn't matter how you come to the, um, to the Hong Kong. Anyone can be a non-reformant claimant if you cannot go back to your country. So non-reformant claimant stop the government not to send you back to a place that you will be in danger. But for refugee, it's defined that it's somebody who left his home country because of persecution. So the power is on the people to prove themselves that, look, I left my country because of war and violence. But for non-reformant claimants, it gives the government the power not to send anybody back to where they will face persecution. So that's how non-reformant claimant is. So you hear me use the word non-reformant claimant for the discussion, but know that I refer to refugees and asylum seekers as well. I think that's a very important distinction to make. Ultimately, there's various levels of protection that a country can, can give to people fleeing any number of circumstances, and Hong Kong is the most basic one. Hong Kong basically says, we're not going to send you back into danger, but you can't stay here either. So ultimately, that's where that distinction comes from. I think it's clear from, from what uh, Michelle and Roy have just shared that um, both Stop and, and Road share uh, work with some of the most marginalized individuals in, in, our, in our community. In a sense, we work with many of the Ishmaels of, of our society. Um, now, before we come back to, to Maggie Namala, can you maybe please just explain how exactly uh, do Road and Stop give a voice to our clients? Is there a, a unified philosophy between the two programs, a, a unified approach, or you know, do you both do very different things? Um, Roy? Yes, um, as you noticed, STOP served victim of human trafficking, and uh, ROAD, we serve refugee and asylum seekers. These are two distinct groups of people. But however, our approach, we have a unified approach in serving this marginalized group of people. And we place approach under three pillars, which is care, empowerment, and social reform. You will hear in our discussion about these three pillars um, in, in a moment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this um, unified approach is also reflected in our organization slo uh, organizational slogan, dignity, justice, and hope. And these are the crucial elements for us to restore our clients' voices. Right. And I mentioned this before earlier, right? The, the slogan that we have at, at Branches of Hope is ultimately a reflection of the outcome that we hope to achieve through these uh, three pillars of service. Um, so maybe, Roy, can you explain how that slogan and those three pillars of service, how are they related? Yes, correct. Um, when you care for somebody, you restore hope. So care, restore hope. Now you put somebody in a community where they can have you know, people around them to care for them, and that's how their hope is being restored. Secondly, empowerment restored dignity. When you empower somebody, they become self-sufficient. They don't have to depend on handouts and charity donations. They can care for themselves. That is how dignity comes about. And thirdly, um, when you, uh, social reform restored justice. The more you reform the society, reform people's mindset about what is happening in society, that is how they stand to fight for justice, and that's how justice is being restored for the marginalized. Thank you for that. I think that's a very powerful truth to kind of, uh, you know, reflect on and, and soak in. Care restores hope. Empowerment restores dignity. And social reform restores justice. And that's not just for the clients that we serve, whether it's refugees or, or victims of trafficking. That, that, that applies to any number of marginalized and disenfranchised people in our society and societies around the world. Ultimately, it's that empowerment, that social reform, that care that creates, again, dignity, justice, and hope. And dignity, justice, and hope are what in turn give people a voice to speak up and be able to tell their stories. I think it's also worth reflecting for a moment uh, that it really is a reflection also of our Christian duties to care for others, to empower others, um, and ultimately also to work together to reduce, if not eliminate even, um, you know, all forms of marginalization in our societies. I think the work that we do at Branches of Hope is uh, also a reflection uh, of our roots within the vine, that we are trying very much to do those things, albeit focused on refugees and, and victims of, of trafficking. So, Let's return now to the stories of Nimala and, and Maggie and, 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 and see how those three pillars of service uh, apply to their specific cases. 
Um, Michelle, let's, let's start with Numala. Sure. Uh, our team is so proud of Nimala. I mean, it's so incredible to, to witness her transformation. Uh, one year ago, when we first met Nimala, uh, she was anxious and scared. Usually people who experience uh, trauma incidents, um, these are very common response to, uh, to the, to the uh, situations. Uh, so um, all they want, all they need at that moment is to feel safe again without any doubts from others. So uh, our team uh, immediately admit Nimala to our care program. We are able to provide her with uh, basic survival needs such as food, um, medical support, and shelter. So um, these are not just tangible support, but as Nimala was said, uh, our assistance and our presence help her to feel mentally calm again. Um, I remember a few months ago uh, when she tested COVID positive, mm -hmm. like a lot of us did. Uh, she, the first one she called was not her husband, not her children, but our caseworker. So I can deeply feel that we have a, such a deep bond with uh, our clients that we are actually the only support system in Hong Kong for our clients. And uh, we walk through a lot of difficulties together. That's why we bond as a community. Um, like other of our clients, uh, Nimala also seek a remedy through legal system. Through our empowerment program, we, are, um, we make sure that our clients know about their rights and make informed decisions in the process of assessing justice. So in the process, Nimala comes to realize that um, her legal action is not just to fight for herself, uh, but is for the sake of the community, and most important is for the sake of justice. And she started to um, become, uh, want to become an agent of change. Uh, she wants to become a helping hand for others, and uh, she go outside and equip others with knowledge of what to do and who to contact when abuse happens. So um, right now, uh, on Sundays, we have an outreach team going out uh, on the streets, talking to migrant workers, um, equip them their knowledge and building friendship in order to prevent human trafficking from happening. Uh, through her story of recovery, I, I see hope, and I see that um, social change is possible. Uh, these stories of our clients ultimately also um, inform our evidence-based uh, uh, um, advocacy. So um, their story enable us to talk to different stakeholders uh, about the issue. In fact, um, it's her bravery of sharing the story with us today enable us to sit here together and then share uh, the cause uh, here with you and you here. And uh, their story also helped us to provide recommendation for the government uh, and achieve social change. Mm, okay, thank you very much for that. So it really, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a longer process, right? Like the care that's provided leads ultimately to the empowerment and the empowerment also uh, all together enforces the, the, the good work that we do on a policy level as well. Thank you for sharing that. I think also uh, our appreciation, of course, to Nimala for her courage in sharing that story. Roy, turning now to Maggie, uh, how exactly then did the three pillars of service um, that we employ at Branches of Hope, how did that help in her case? Right. Um, when Maggie came to us, Maggie was vulnerable uh, with her daughter. She was really confused and feel rejected by the community that she was once into. So when she came to us, the first thing we did was to listen to her story. Listen to her carefully. You know, at the road team, they are very specialized in listening. Those guys, are, they know how to listen very carefully. You know, I got um, a cherry, Chris, you know, green and sherry. They are, very, they are expert in listening to the refugee story. They spend hours and time just listening. Because that is very important to listen to when you want to care for somebody. The second thing is to provide basic assistance. Because once you listen carefully, you know exactly what they're looking for. Like, for example, in the story of Hagar and the son today, God listened first. And then he provided help. And then he empowered the child by saying that you will become body tomorrow. Now, when we listen, when we listen to um, Maggie's story, the next thing to do is to put her into a community. The last thing you want to do to somebody who is vulnerable is to isolate them. 
So at the road program, we ensure that our refugees and asylum seekers are in good community where they can care for one another and they can love and care and support each other. So we put Maggie into what we call our ladies group. So Maggie was so happy when she came. After being rejected by the community, he came to Branches of Hope and found a community. And one day he said this to us, when I am with the ladies, I feel loved and cared. That is what we want to hear from our refugee and asylum seekers. Then from there, we start to empower Maggie to become a leader in her own community. We send her into leadership training programs, and we ensure that Maggie is able to do something for herself as she goes out to serve the local community. Now, we can also support people directly and indirectly. A way to empower somebody indirectly is to empower somebody next to them. If you look in the story of Hagar, right, God said, I hear the cry of your son. He empowered the son by doing that. He also empowered the mother. So for our approach, we empowered Maggie's daughter by sending her to kindergarten, thanks to our kindergarten program. And Maggie was so happy to see her child being empowered, knowing that her child got a future. By empowering her child and Maggie together, both of them were, were so happy that Maggie said this to us one day. Now I have peace of mind because my kids can go to school. This allows me to fight for her right. Isn't that amazing? You empower the kids, but they give the mom power to fight for her right. And that is where social reforms comes in. Social reform comes when we stand up to fight for the right of the people. Not just us fighting, we have to fight together with the marginalized. And then we change the whole society mindset about those who are marginalized in our city. Thank you for sharing that, Roy. I think it's also really important to uh, um, come back to what you were just saying. Care is not only about material goods. Care is also about spiritual needs. It's about emotional needs. It's about being heard as a person. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out as well. Uh, and also our appreciation to Maggie for her courage in, uh, in sharing that story today. Let's have a round of applause for Maggie and Amala. Now, I'm sure there's many of you here today who, after listening to these stories, um, are probably inspired and feel a bit of passion to become involved yourselves, uh, and therefore might be asking yourself, what might be the best way to do that? How can I become a voice for the marginalized? If you are the kind of person who doesn't just want to stay that bow shot away, if you want to draw near, if you want to listen, um, I think my colleagues here can give you a couple of pointers on, on how to do that. So, Michelle and Roy, how can people, if they, if they feel you know, led by the Spirit, how can they become involved in, in telling those stories? Michelle, why don't we start with your pointers? Sure. Um, I believe that everyone has a place in the society to bring uh, positive impact. Uh, so, the first thing that you can do is that you can volunteer with us. If you have any special talents that you would love to share, uh, come to contact us, go to talk to our staff outside. Um, having the power to control our life is what Dignity is all about. So at Branches of Hope, we value uh, the self-agency for the marginalized community. As Roy said, empowerment brings um, dignity. So uh, you can offer your talents to our clients. For the case in point, uh, the dress that I'm wearing today is made by one of our clients. So they are already talented enough, but you can join us to tell them that the better future is possible. And secondly, um, you all have your own voice. You all have your own voice and power to share. So um, um, you can be our advocate, you can become the influencer for, for us. So there is a very convenient opportunities here. So if you tune into Branches of Hope's uh, social media page, you will find that uh, on 30th of July, it would be a World Day of Gang Trafficking, we launch a campaign called Give Survivors a Voice. You can uh, join our campaign and become the influencer to bring the positive uh, change to the world. And lastly, of course, um, if you don't have the time to uh, contribute or do, uh, to, to, to give to us, then you can donate to us. It's always welcome, right? And so you can um, organize a fundraiser, you can donate to our program to support us so that we are able to support the vulnerables. 
Thank you very much for that, Michelle. So I think what you've touched upon are, are volunteering and obviously using our own platforms as a means for, for raising awareness and, and, and spreading knowledge about these things and, of course, uh, fundraising. Roy, do you have any points you'd like to add to that? Yes, of course. One of the points is to donate, right? You know, we need money to, to, to run our ministries and our work. And I also want you to invite you to be an agent of inclusion which means you have to try to open up your space to include refugees into your circle. And how does that happen? Number one, pray. You know, as Christians, we have to pray before we take any step. So the more you pray for the refugees and victims of human trafficking, the, you come closer to them. And secondly, is to invite them, is to get to know them. Now, when you pray to them, you got to know them, not just stories in the background. And when you know them, you want to advocate on their behalf by sharing this with other people around you. Don't go to the street to fight for your right, but you can share it with your neighbor, your colleague in the office, as well as somebody that you do business with. After that business deal, you can go like, hey, look, I want to tell something about refugees and asylum seekers in Hong Kong. That would be very beautiful. And with that together, we can make refugee voice heard in the city. Perfect. Thank you very much, Roy. I, I think, you know, there's probably a, a deep impression that uh, what you've shared today has left on, on many of those who have, have joined us today. And I really like this idea of becoming an agent of inclusion. I hope this uh, list that you guys see up on the slide, that there's something there for everybody and, and that even the smallest uh, bit of action will, will certainly, you know, help us serve the greater good in this sense. Please, uh, let's have another round of applause for our amazing colleagues, Roy and Michelle. And so with that, we would love to return to the stories of Maggie and Amala and see how they, they turned out. Without a job and a home, I managed to receive basic support from organizations, including Branches of Hope. More importantly, the team assisted me with my medical needs and was there when I needed somebody to talk to. They also provided workshops and activities that helped equip me with the confidence and knowledge for the future. There are so many expenses that come with raising a child, and it's especially difficult when you're a non-refoulement claimant and not allowed to work. But with Branches of Hope's assistance, my daughter's educational needs are met, and we receive assistance with food and other necessities. I was introduced to a ladies' group and found a community where I feel like I belong to. We share the same struggles and care for each other like a big family. Receiving help from STOP and Branches of Hope was important because their assistance and their presence helped me feel more mentally calm. It helped having somebody to talk to so I can process my experiences and make me feel heard and understood. Having a calm mind along with the help and compassion I have received empowered me to help other people who are facing similar situations, especially those who are experiencing physical abuse. I can direct them to the authorities and organizations who can assist them. During the pandemic, I was able to help contact organizations for supplies and helping others find medical assistance. Because of the hardships that I've experienced, the community I've developed, and my faith's teachings, I've been very passionate about helping the less fortunate. So for example, during the pandemic, I went out into my neighborhood streets, and together with my daughter and community, we shared meals with the homeless people and prayed with them. In the future, I want to become a helping hand for people in need, especially those who are applying to be migrant domestic workers overseas. I want to equip them with the necessary knowledge of what to do and who to contact in the event that abuse happens. My hope for the future is just to live a peaceful life. But more importantly, I hope that my daughter will be treated with dignity and respect and receive the proper status in Hong Kong that she deserves. You know, even though I work for Branches of Hope, um, the stories of our clients, you know, uh, hearing their voices never ceases to amaze me. Um, and there are many stories like this one. I truly hope that as we embark on, on this uh, Branches of Hope Awareness Month, that you too 
will be moved by the stories of those we serve. Not just today, not just this month, but always. There are many thousands of Maggie's and Imala's in our Hong Kong, and many millions of Ishmael's worldwide. So may I once again invite you all to be inspired by Genesis chapter 21 and become agents of inclusion. Let's not stay a bow shot away. Instead, let's draw near. Let's listen. Let's give that life-giving water. Whether it is by donating or organizing fundraisers, by spreading the word in your networks, by volunteering your time and your expertise, by befriending those we serve and becoming their advocates, by being ferocious prayer warriors, or all of the above. We value your contribution, but more importantly, our clients value your contributions. Please don't hesitate to come and talk to my colleagues at our booth outside um, after the service, and feel free to come seek us out with your questions, with your ideas, and your support. Thank you. Wonderful. One of the best ways that we could finish our service today is by doing something that means so much to us as a community when we get to celebrate one of our asylum seekers and refugees who are actually able to uh, be welcomed by a new country uh, overseas. And you know, this happens from time to time, uh, and it's happened for one of our dear families uh, recently. Uh, they're leaving tomorrow to go to Canada uh, to be resettled there. And we thought the best way to finish our service is to pray for them uh, and just to have their story heard uh, as we close our time. And I'm gonna invite uh, Roy back to uh, lead us in that time. And I wonder whether we would all just stand together as we do this. Uh, yeah. Let me invite Gordon and your family, please, to come forward. Just join us on the stage. You know, Gordon has really been with us for a very long time, for almost seven years. And during that time, she would serve as champions in you know, all the Sunday services. She was in the Arise Fellowship. She attended our Bible school, volunteered in Mawa Easter Egg Hunt, and also joined the tribe you know, a group here at the Vine. Now they're about to leave. Please come this way. And God, I want to just, I want to just ask God to share one or two words, you know, with the congregation of how God have guided her um, in Hong Kong. Good morning, everyone. Um, I really thank God this morning for this opportunity. As uh, the world today from our pastor is really, I, I, I always, I'm always surprised with God. Because the word of today really uh, uh, concerns our life in Hong Kong. I will not forget, first time I, uh, in this church, Vine Church, in that corner, that corner you see there, <laughs> I always cry there. <laughs> When I, first time, as always, when I'm in this church, I was just <laughs> crying. God hear and respond. Today, I proclaim and I thank God because he responded. And he saw my tears and really... I feel just I can cry again because of of uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thanks everyone. I thanks the Van Church was my my home. I can say because you really ha uh, supported us um, spiritually, uh, financially, and emotional thank you so much today i'm saying uh goodbye because tomorrow we need to leave the country and i will say just keep this heart and this way to support um, uh, thank you so much yeah <laughs> That was beautiful, Gordon. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. So let us pray for this family as they go. Gordon's actually sent a request prayer for us is to, for a smooth transition into the new place, pray for strength and wisdom to deal with cultural shock 
a good friends and community over in Canada and also peace during this transition. That's what her prayer request is sent to us. So all of you stretch your hands towards God and just pray into your heart for about a minute and I will wrap it up with a round of prayer. Dear Lord, we join our voices with the angels in heaven and lay our hands on this family of Gordons, Hugo, and Huguet. We pray, Almighty God, that you will send your angels concerning you to guard them on their ways. We pray that God will cover you with his feather yes. and under his wings you will find refuge. Yes. We trust you in your shield, O God, and armor. You do not need to fear terror of night or arrow that flow during the day, for God is your hiding place. Yeah. He will yeah. protect you from trouble. He will surround you with songs of victory. Yes. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best path of your life. Yes. I will advise you and watch over you. May the Lord keep you from all harms, God and your family, yes. and watch over your life. Yes. May the Lord keep watching over you as you come and as you go, yes. both now and forever. Yes, we God. pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Can we all say, Amen. 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 All right, I know, I know we've gone a little bit long, but I want to I wanna do one, uh, one more thing for you. Is that okay? Well, tough. We're going to do it anyway. It says at the end of the story, when uh, Hagar has had this amazing moment with God and God says, I hear your son. Verse 19, it says, God then opened her eyes. Say that again. God opened her eyes so she could see a well of water. So she went there, filled her skim of water and gave the boy a drink. My prayer for you is that God would open your eyes. I pray that He would open the ears of your hearts so you would hear the vulnerable and the marginalized that would not stay a bow shot away. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank You so much that we get to do this together. Thank You so much for the work of Branches of Hope, but more importantly, the work of Your Spirit. The work of Your Spirit that is in work in every person here for Your glory. We thank You for this. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing one more response to that. And this response is your response as you give your heart to Him here at the end. Let's sing 